and welcome back to another episode of Kyan and Jay. Hello, everybody. This week's episode is going to be a little bit different from our usual. Since it is the one-year anniversary from the floods in the Northern Rivers, we're going to dedicate the episode to that, and we're going to let you know our experiences. We're also going to be talking to two people we know that are going to be sharing their experience as well, so we're very thankful for having them on the podcast. And we'll also be talking about survivor's guilt at the end of the episode. I'd also like to preface this by saying that our experience does not invalidate your own. Mm -hmm. Everybody's experience is completely, truly valid. And everybody, no matter how extreme and how non-extreme, still has been affected by this natural disaster. Yeah. And still deals with the repercussions to this day. Sit back, relax, you know, grab a tea or something like that. Have a chill. We're about to go through our experience of the 2022 Northern Rivers flood. I don't know about you, but I feel like I haven't actually delved into how I feel about the flood with anyone because like pretty much everyone I know is in the exact same boat as me so it's like why complain we're all going through it so yeah this will be interesting I think it'll be nice to get like a little bit out there yeah and the thing is as well obviously it's not belittling anyone's experience like everybody is allowed to be upset and complain like yeah just because somebody has a worse battle than you doesn't make yours invalid Exactly. So I want to start with talking about the day before the flood. At this point, it had been raining for about probably about a month, two weeks to a month nonstop. It's not unusual for this area. Mm -mm. It's a tropical area. It rains all the bloody time. And, you know, we had the routine, like, minor flooding where it closed a few roads, the flash flooding. Mm. Pretty normal. Happens all the bloody time. And as a community, we're pretty well prepped for that. And we've got all these mitigation things that pump all the water out, gets it away from everyone. Yeah. So it usually doesn't affect us. I was at work that Saturday, the 27th, reporting on like a few roads, just like random roads that are out of town that got closed as per usual. Everybody knows. So they already know. Oh, it's raining heaps. That road's going to be under. Yeah. You don't even have to say it. People know. No, it's just a normal thing around here. You know, business as usual. When I finished, I walked outside and I was like, you know, I wish it would just stop raining because the rain just was not giving up and it hadn't given up for like a full month Mm. straight. It was just such a weird experience. And the next day, woke up and, I don't know, it was just so strange. The rain just got harder and harder and harder and just didn't stop. And a minor to moderate flood warning was was issued. Hmm. which yesterday it was only a flood watch. So for people that don't understand, I feel like a lot of Northern Rivers residents learnt all these meanings after the flood. (laughs) So a watch is, hey, this could happen, just let you know so you're prepared. A warning is, hey, this is going to happen slash is happening. Yeah, we hope you're prepared. Yes, which I'm sure we'll be covering on about the fact that we had no warning. But anyways, we were told it wasn't going to overtop the levee. So people were just kind of like, oh, fine, just raise things up to your house because everything's on stilts here. Yeah. It's not like we're stupid. Yeah, everyone's already put their houses above the last flood so that they're meant to be safe, right? Yeah, so just like, I'm putting everything upstairs. And also, it's sort of like a boy who cries wolf situation. We're continuously getting all these flood watches flood warnings like streets closed and stuff so i guess no one took it as seriously as maybe they would have in like a city Mm. because it was happening every single day we were getting something about some road so we're just like oh it's just another one of those like let's not take it too seriously sort of things and we're like oh should be fine you know boss calls me says would you mind going into work and just putting on a announcement on the radio Mm. Like, yeah, sure. Like, we have to do that every other time. So I was like, yeah, no worries. Went into work on my day off. That was about 2.30 in the Arvo. Organized it, put it on the radio. Then, like, fast forward a few hours later, it was nighttime. I actually messaged you and I was like, hey, Jay, just letting you know, this might be, like, really fucked. Yeah. I just have a feeling. Yeah. (laughs) And I didn't take it seriously because I was like... I'm getting these messages every day because, like, we do live out of town, so we are sort of in the area. We're we're near Lismore, pretty much. We didn't take it seriously. And your driveway always goes under when it rains. Yeah. When there's, like, a light drizzle, it goes under. Mm. So we're like, oh, we're not going to pack up everything on, like, a maybe. Like, we're not going to take our whole lives away on a maybe. And it was also, like, a thing, like, it happened, your driveway had gone under, like, four times in the past, like, 
two months and I was like Jade just go grab some things so you don't get stranded at your house again mm. and you were like oh we'll be fine and I was like all right and then I remember <laughs> messaged you later and I said hey shit's getting real now like mm. I've just been told to go in my phone's going off with all these different alerts it was like 9 p.m I ended up driving into work it was like 9 30 p.m and just like walking from my house to my car I live on a very steep hill so my road was like a waterfall it was like a river mm. like a rapid they kid you not ankle deep in water just flowing Jeez. and I was like there's no point even wearing enclosed shoes because they're just going to get wrecked so I just wore thongs worst mistake they ended up one of them ended up flowing away but anyways it doesn't matter <laughs> I lost one of my thongs. I'm going to my car. And, like, it was so crazy to drive in because you could not see outside of the car at all. I had my lights on. I had my high beams. I had my fog lights. I had all the lights on my car. I had, like, the interior lights all the way down to nothing. Mm. Couldn't see still. There was just so much rain and it was so heavy and so loud. Yeah. You couldn't think. You couldn't see. You couldn't do anything and I was like what the fuck have I gotten myself into but I thought you know there's people out there that are worse off and it is my job as a radio announcer to get this message onto people so I thought I'm just gonna do it I'm just gonna drive silly decision however I'm driving the road is like a river Mm. river rapids and it's just like what the fuck is happening there's like waterfalls on the road my car's like sliding everywhere i'm not getting any grip i can only go about 5k's an hour it was actually really scary and i'm calling up my dad because i was like hey dad just wanted to speak to you just in case this is my last time i'm alive because i have a feeling i'm gonna die Mm. and because my brain went there because i couldn't see i was driving at night time as well at night time and there was clearly a natural disaster happening. Like, the amount of rain that was coming down, like, it just feels like somebody literally grabbed, like, a high-pressure hose, times it by a million, and just, like, squirted it all at once. It was so crazy. And there was at one point on the road where it kind of grows near a grass field, and I was driving, and I was like, where the hell am I? I was trying to, like, figure out where I was on the road, if I was on the right-hand side or the left-hand side, like where the hell I was and then I saw the sign all the way over to my left so I was all the way on the grass field (laughs) I was driving across the grass field because the water was so intense it pushed me all the way on there Mm. and I was just just I made my way over it and I ended up getting to work but I genuinely thought I was dead because my car just felt like it was floating because it was it was just floating everywhere I was going yeah and I called my dad and I was like dad I might die so I just wanted to say I love you (laughs) And, you know, thank you for everything, all that kind of stuff. And Dad was like, you're not dying. Stay on the phone to me. You're not dying. You know, it was a very crazy experience. But anyways, I ended up getting to work. I put some announcements on. It was like 9.40. So what were you doing at this time? Because I actually didn't hear from you until two days later. Yeah. So this must have been probably, I don't remember like exactly when everything happened. Like, when the power went out, when we stopped getting water to the house, right, in a flood, and we lost water to the house, how does that work? Anyway, (laughs) it did. Um, During this time, we probably had just lost all power to the house, and we just lost all of our reception, because the Telstra Towers were now underwater, so we couldn't get any service to anywhere. And the only way we were able to get any updates without actually driving was through the radio. Like, that was the only way we could do anything. I was very in denial in the fact that I was like, I had these warnings from you being like, hey, Lismore might be going under very soon. Like, make sure you've got stuff. And I was like, oh, nah, like nothing's going to happen. And then we sort of just went to bed like it was a normal night, just like without Netflix. We're just like, oh, whatever. Like, we'll go to sleep because nothing else to do. So we went to bed, literally not realizing that everybody in our local town was having the worst night of their entire lives, like, fighting for survival, and we've just, like, gone to bed. You just went to bed, and meanwhile, the river is just slowly getting closer and closer and closer to your house. Yep. And I was still in denial all the way up until the morning. Yeah. Like, isn't that just crazy to think that we had no warning? Like, Mm. yeah, we had a warning of a minor to moderate flood yeah until about 9 40 where it became moderate to major 10 30 it became major and then 10 45 they issued the evacuation for the cbd they already evacuated south and north 
very common for Lismore because they always go under because a levee pushes the water to them, which you're towards that area. So you were already not, you were already like had no access. Mm. And then I was just like watching all the updates come through my phone, just sitting in this studio, just being like, what the hell do I do? So I ended up staying there really late and just constantly getting all these new updates, updating everything every like five minutes. Mm. Like I wish, I wish I could see how many things I recorded that night. By the time we had another staff member had actually driven from another local town through the flood and got to work. It got to like 11.30 and I was like, I am absolutely exhausted. I have to be work at 9am tomorrow. I've been here for hours. And I had like my other friends and other friends like, why the hell did you even drive in that water? And it's like, well, who else is going to do it? Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, pretty much everyone that needs an emergency, like anything, information... There's going to be someone in that town that actually has to go and put out the information. Like, do people not realise that? People, you can't, especially radio, you can't do that from home. No. Like, what do people expect you to do? Yeah. And I'm pretty sure my home power was out too because I came home and I just went straight to bed. But then the next morning I woke up to like a million message on my phone. At 1.30 in the morning, the levee overtopped. People have said, and people were explaining it, it was like a river rapid smashing into their homes and, like, Mm. it was ripping off people's clothes and they were just getting, like, thrown. Like, anything in the water, just bam, gone. Like a tsunami, basically, of water, but coming from inland. Weird, right? So strange. I even heard of, like, people getting in their roofs and having to, like, bash out the little fan in the roof to get through. Yeah, just imagine all the people that, like, got to their roofs and realised that was it. That's all they can do. They couldn't get up. And there were people that that did that. What about people that couldn't get to their roofs? Yeah, they they just had to sit there. Actually, brings me to the next morning. Um, So I wake up and I'm like, oh, shit, I better get ready and get into work. So I've looked at the million messages on my phone saying, this is overtopped. This has happened. It's the highest flood ever. It's absolutely crazy. And I leave my house still pissing down with rain. Mm. Mind you, got there. It turns out my boss had been there since 1am. So when the levee overtopped, he came. Mm. And he's been doing live broadcasts ever since that time. I just didn't even know the extent of what had happened, truly. I did not understand it because it didn't feel real. But there was just an influx when I left my house, an influx of people on with boats heading towards Lismore. And I was like, oh, shit, it is real. Yeah. And there was, like, all these cars all lined along all the roads all the way up my street, all the way up everywhere, just all these cars with people asleep in them. It was actually very scary. But, um, you know, nobody was at work except for my boss and two others. Mm. There's one person that come in and done their shift as per normal and then ended up helping out doing like a little bit of my shift too because we also have other things that go on at radio station you you can't just press a button and be like slay we're going to air (laughs) you've got to like put in logs which control the ads and the music etc so i helped out with all that kind of stuff and our head office as well was also in the flood because they're in tweed heads which is only about an hour north of us (laughs) so they lost they also lost power lost access to their station lost everything the Mm. flood the thing that upset me the most was I felt helpless because I was on the radio yes giving out information looking at all of the different Facebook mar- like Facebook marketplaces or whatever looking for people posting information trying to find something and then we got hit with the you're not allowed to put people's information on the radio because people were saying like can you please say I'm at this house we've got five people one person's a baby rah, rah, rah. Uh, then we said like no you can't do that and it's also privacy thing a privacy thing we can get sued yeah so can't put people's stuff on the radio and i'll never forget this woman's voice and i still don't know to this day if she survived but she called me and she said i'm in north lismore my house is underneath water i'm sitting on top of a cabinet and i can't get out i need help i physically cannot lift myself onto the roof and I said, have you tried calling emergency services? And she was, like, yelling at me. She was like, yes, I fucking have. Who do you fucking think you are? Just say where I am on the radio so people come and help me. And I said, I can't put your information on the radio because I can lose my job. And she goes, you've got blood on your hands. If I die, it's all your fucking fault. I just remember I just froze and I didn't know what to do. So I hung up on her. Because, like, what can you do? I can't put that to air. 
Yeah. I don't know. Like, I obviously would have felt the same way. Like, I can't put your information on the radio. But at the same time, you want to be like, can someone just go to 83, like, North Lismore? I was like that. I was like that. And I was, like, crying. But my boss had gone home because he'd been on air since 1 a.m. Yeah. So I was in the office on my own. Like, Mm. I didn't have anyone to ask, can I please just do this? So I was, I ended up writing down her address anyways, and I tried to call the emergency services. It was a fucking three hour wait. Three hours? And there was people that were on the phone to triple zero and SES couldn't get through. It Mm. would just hang up on them because the phone was being used that much. There's also people that didn't even have service. And I think the part that just absolutely blows me away is the fact that knowing that majority of the people that were saving others were just like normal people locals and not the serv- not the police and emergency services yeah isn't that fucked yeah i just think they weren't prepped there are so many parts of lismore as well that are near like the showgrounds or near the airport and stuff where people live but if someone didn't know you lived there like, SES wasn't crossing the river to come and get you. Like, if you didn't know someone who had a boat, you just had to pray that someone would come down that random street in a massive open river. Like, how terrifying. I remember I woke up and I actually got ready for work because, like, I had no connection. I didn't wasn't receiving any messages from anyone being like, oh, town's flooded. I didn't even get an SES alert being like, evacuation warning. I didn't get any of that. And I'm literally next to South Lismore. I remember waking up, getting ready for work. And I remember my partner was home, but that's not like an unusual thing because he's a tradie. Sometimes when it's raining, like really heavy, they get to stay home. And he was home. And I was like, oh, that's no big deal. Like I'll probably get up to Ganelava. You know, there'll be some road that I've got a big car. Some road will be there, you know? And I remember I was in so much denial to the point that I got in my car and started driving and our road is like a one-way road like you can't you can't do a three-point turn on it sort of so I was going down there and I was looking out and you could see like you could see nothing really because it was all just fog and rain and stuff and you didn't know what was out there and then I got to sort of a part where it heads on to the main road or it goes up to some more houses and it was just all underwater all of the paddocks, everything. I don't know where the cows went at this point. There were no cows in the paddock. Everything was just water. So then I was like, oh, fuck, that's not good. So <laughs> I went back home and I was like, yeah, it's flooded. I'll try again tomorrow. Still in denial as to how big this flood was because in my eyes, looking at my road, it's flat. I'm not looking at it like we're on a slow hill incline. But yeah, we're on a slow hill incline. Like Ballina has to go under for us, our little place to go under sort of and it was like close it was up to the power points halfway but anyway I turned around went back home and like our house had been flooding which wasn't weird because every time it rains it floods it comes up through the ground and I still didn't think anything I was still like yeah just a bit of heavy rain I'm sure like gonna go tomorrow and also we had like no groceries at this point because at that point we were like in a routine where we would do all our shopping on Mondays get it all out of the way and this flood happened Sunday night to Monday so we really had nothing kept thinking that it was just gonna go like the longer I waited or you know how you take a nap and you wake up and your headache's gone Mm. I kept thinking that would happen like if I just went to sleep and I woke up it's gonna be a few hours later it should be down right it wasn't (laughs) I actually remember I was texting you a lot because I was like oh fuck is Jay okay and I was texting everyone that I knew because I knew lots of people lived downtown lived rurally all that kind of stuff and I was like oh my god I'm just gonna text everyone make sure that everyone's okay most people got back to me but you didn't so I was very worried because I was like pretty flat where jade is (laughs) yeah it's not much out there (laughs) yeah i was very concerned um but it kind of felt like world war three it did a bit it felt like a bomb had gone off and we were all scurrying for our lives just the way how there was just emergency services Mm. everywhere but also nowhere yeah and there was just all these people everywhere but also nowhere and there was helicopters always coming over my house and shaking the whole thing and Mm. I was just constantly at work and then I remember I ended up just like having a full breakdown I was like I just want to go home and have power and have water have a shower and then like you couldn't there was no fresh water mm, it was yeah. like poopy water because Lismore has 12 pumps for our sewerage system 
And during the floods, all 12 of them shut down. So people were being told literally not to flush a toilet because it's going to, there's going to be shit on the streets if you flush a toilet. Yeah. Like we were in a third world country for a bit there, but we were living in Australia and it felt so weird because like all of our friends from around Australia were fine. Yeah. But it's like, we just went through this very traumatic thing and it really makes you realize who you can hold valuable because like that was the most traumatic thing I've ever gone through. And I had maybe my pop message me and call me. Why did no one message you? I really don't know. I can't work it out in my brain. So then when like another flood happened in the area, I was like, why would I reach out to you when we went through something way more insane and I got no messages? It's just really crazy to think like though with a flood, you can't do anything to fight it. All you can do is just move out of the way. Yeah. I just remember going home though that first night and trying to sleep and I just couldn't. Yeah. I was so exhausted, but I felt so guilty because I had a bed. I had a house. Yeah. I was safe. Yeah, so it's like, what could you feel guilty for? Everything in your life is fine. When it's like, no, I I was still a part of it. It's sort of like the water boy on a football team. You're not playing football. You're not getting hit. You're still there for the bad times, still there for the good times. Like, you're still a part of that team. Yeah, and I think that just the most traumatic part of it, to be honest, was just that night driving through the flood Mm. not even that maybe not even that because it was afterwards the fact that we had no food fuel anything the shopping market the next day was hell oh it was so bad because like this was literally the day after the flood so on the first Mm. of march i went to the shop as i was like i have no food in my house i need to get something all the shelves were empty by the time i got that i ended up only being able to get I think it was a packet of noodles um, and what else did I get? I got some yogurt and then some spirals. That's literally all that was left. I got the spiral things that you put in hot water. Same with the noodles and some yogurt. That was all I had. Yeah. I think people don't realize the groceries part of it. Um, Like an entire town got flooded. Okay. So I want this to be put into perspective. We had two Woolworths in Lismore, right? Let's say both of them can hold 5,000 people each. Cool, 5,000 people for that one, 5,000 people for the other one, 5,000 people for the one up in Ganelaba. So now 15,000 people are meant to be going to this one 5,000 venue in Ganelaba. So there was absolutely nothing. Literally, the people that were still stuck after the first few days of like people going to the grocery shops, even when they got into town to actually go shopping, there was nothing nothing there and they just wasted all their petrol. Well, the thing is as well, there was no, the trucks couldn't get in because in Ganelabar, the water went all the way around because it ended up, it ended up flooding us, then Korokai, then Woodburn, and then Ballina. Hmm. It's all the entrances. Apparently Ballina has never flooded like that. Ever. Like, I had I had people that I know that live in Ballina, and they go, Ballina has never flooded for as long as I've been alive. Mm. They evacuated the whole island of Ballina. Yeah. How scary. Imagine living somewhere thinking you're safe. Which most people did because of the height on their houses. Yep. And even now, it's like, afterwards, everyone was in that weird position of, okay, do I knock it down, rebuild it even higher just for it to maybe get flooded again in, like, seven years? Or three. Or do I move and lose my home loan, lose everything I've just worked so hard to get this stupid house in Lismore? Having all of that was crazy, and just the fact that <laughs> the main road was still underwater for, like, a month. <laughs> yeah. And then it ended up, like, getting off a little bit, but you still had to, like, drive on the main road. But then it went to, like, a singular lane, but you weren't actually on the lanes of the road. You were on, like, the emergency lane to drive around mm. the water that was still on the road. Yeah, it was it was a weird time. It was a weird time, but the only road that was open is this tiny-ass country road that winds between all the mountains, and they have these massive trucks, massive trucks driving on them roads. Oh, my gosh. Um, where I live, it's pretty much the house is here, and then it just looks out onto, like, what would be a puzzle scenery. Right, just mountains, trees, paddocks, stuff like that. I remember looking out once sort of the very heavy rain had cleared a bit and it was starting to settle a little bit, you know, it wasn't wasn't rising as much as it was before. I remember looking out and just being like, huh, the flood must have wiped out all the trees. It must have come through, wiped them all out because there was nothing out there. It was literally flat until you could see, like, the top of a mountain, sort of. And I was like, oh, the flood must have wiped them out. It wasn't until, like, 
the days kept going and I kept looking out and then you could start to see the tops of trees and you're like, oh my God, the water is all the way up to there. And these are massive trees, like country trees on the side of a motorway, massive. It sort of looked like somebody had taken a photo of where we look out to and just like erased all of the scenery because it was still all flat, right? So my brain's thinking, oh, that's just the paddocks. But then every single day you'd see a little bit more of the trees or you'd start to see a power pole again and stuff like that. And you're just like, oh my God, okay, this is actually a big deal. And I think that's when it started to hit me when you could actually see the progress. And then when all the grass, the flood started to recede on all the grass, you could see how it all died and where. And to this day, it's still dead where the flood was. And Yeah, and it's still. A lot of people don't talk about the stench. Yeah, I like to mention it to everyone. I'm like, you don't understand the smell. We have Norco right next to the river in Lismore. Literally the worst spot Norco could go. So when Norco gets flooded, right, this whole big milk place, if you don't know what Norco is, and then when it settles and then people can't get in to fix it and clean up the smell, the entire town smelt like off milk for about two weeks. It was that mixed with dead animals, dead people, Mm. like gas from gas stations, um, cars. Yeah. Like all all these different chemicals just as a big clusterfuck together. And then there was also shit from the sewerage company. (laughs) All of that mixed in. Yeah. And it was was going through people's houses. So bad. Everything. It was, I just, the stench, you can smell it every so often Mm. still to this day. And you're like, oh my God, it's so disgusting. Like I genuinely have never smelled anything so vile in my whole entire life. Yeah, it was horrible. All the stories that have come out about it has been so crazy, but I think the biggest lesson that this event has taught me is having a little bit of faith in humanity, uh, (laughs) for starters, uh, resilience, and also allowing myself to healthily express these extreme emotions. Yeah. I think this was, as weird as it is to admit, I think this was the most like traumatizing thing I've ever gone through but and it feels weird to admit because I still got to go to bed just like you I got to sleep every single night on a mattress yeah we didn't have power we didn't have running water but we were alive we could eat still we still had a gas stove we could use and I was even better off I literally ended up having power after a day I had power and then I got running water too but the water stunk I just still showered though yeah it just didn't feel real felt like Everything was a movie, and I just remember trying to wish every single night. I was like, I just wish we could go back to how it was before, because the town had only just recovered from the 2017 flood, right? Mm. It took them until 2022 to recover, and it just all got destroyed in the blink of an eye. And to this day, there are still abandoned buildings, abandoned businesses. Half the town is still in shambles. Absolutely hectic. It felt like we were in World War Three. <laughs> Especially the aftermath when you actually like... I had to drive through Lismore every single day since it went down. And before that, I was driving up to the flood line every single day trying to get through. So every single day, I have to look at this town that's just gone to nothing. That used to be a town, but now it's gone. And you, you would drive past like where I used to get my lashes done and be like, oh... I, I guess can't do that. Like, my favourite cafe. Like, oh, I wonder if they're going to come back and when they will. And the first place to open was Dan Murphy's. <laughs> so I think we know our audience. Um, yeah, that was the first place to open. And that's also one of the highest buildings in town. So I'm pretty sure people could use, like, the top of Dan Murphy's during the flood as a safe point. Like, the boats could. They could drop people there, go back into town. Remember there was a cow on top of the Norco building? <laughs> Do you remember that? (laughs) Yeah. And also, when we first drove to, like, go and see where it was, and this is when North and South Lismore were now fine. There was no water there. It just looked like a train wreck. Um, But, like, the main CBD in Lismore was still all flooded past the bridges there. So we were driving down, like, South Lismore, and there were cars just everywhere, like, everywhere, parked so stupidly. And I was like, oh, just because there's a natural disaster doesn't mean people have to drive like fuckwits. Like, you can't just park your car anywhere. And then he looked at me and he was like, no, Jade, like, they've floated there. People didn't park, they didn't park that Honda in the middle of the road. Like, that car floated from somewhere and it's been put there by the flood. And I was just like, oh, my God. And the that wasn't until I actually realised. Yeah. yeah. Then I realised, like, oh, my God, this is actually way bigger than I thought it was. It's actually, like, affected so many people because when we're going through, before you hear all the stories from people, you don't think it's actually going to be that bad. 
mm. were like, oh, well, they like they got out. Like it was all fine. Everyone was happy. Everyone survived until you actually meet people from Lismore. They tell you their story and you're just like, I'm so glad you're alive. <laughs> like, I'm sorry yeah. I didn't do anything sooner. And it's also like, not even that, it was the surrounding towns too. Like they, mm. I remember Korokai was a big one. The water was just not going down. There was people, there was like so many dead animals and it was like a real big health hazard mm. that was happening at Korokai because they were, everybody was all just huddled onto one street because it's like flat there. Yeah. And wasn't it Woodburn? Everyone had to like go onto a bridge because it was the only high point in yes. the town. They parked, the, everybody parked their cars on the bridge and people yeah. who were like on the lower side of the bridge lost their cars. Yeah. I remember everyone trying to park their cars up hills in Lismore like the night before or whatever because when when you get warnings or watches people would just put their cars on a tiny hill mm. just so like the gutters didn't spill up and stuff and people were parking like in front of some of the shops there like Polaris people were parking on the little grass there or like at the footy field they're just parking up on little mounts there was absolutely no point in doing that <laughs> because it instantly got taken away honestly it just it felt so surreal and to this day still feels fake but still more than half of the area is not even recovered, but... Yeah, and it probably won't be recovered for a long time. I know a lot of business owners that are just like, no, I'm not risking it ever again. If ever. Yeah. We're now going to talk to two people who were also involved in the floods in the Northern Rivers to get a different perspective on what happened around that time. So welcoming onto our podcast, Kelly and Giselle. So tell us a bit about yourselves. Uh, We've lived in the Northern Rivers area for 23 years or something. And we've lived around rurally and up in Ganelabar. We moved down into Lismore for the first time. (laughs) Ever? Ten months before the floods occurred. So we'd seen a few floods, but nothing quite like this. If you feel comfortable, did you want to run us through the day before what you experienced? So we'd had quite a bit of rain for a long time, on and off, and uh, um, and we knew that the ground was saturated. I went away for the weekend. I'd had a weekend planned for many months, booked in. We were out camping. We were concerned that the water was getting perhaps higher. They were, they were predicting a minor flood. I didn't know whether I'd come back or not, <laughs> so I flipped a coin. <laughs> And you told me to get out. And told Giselle to leave the house because I'd left her at home and said, it's time to go. So I did, we did come back. It was really heavy torrential rain for two nights before. So that was a bit of an indicator for us, knowing that we know what that rain can bring after a few days. Um, so we came back and packed up. Put everything in upstairs in the two-storey house. So we checked the floors at the council. Um, so that's how high the house is. We're in a quite a high-set house. It was an older house and there were markings all up the wall of where the various floods had made it to. None of them had made it any higher than the second step. That went back to 54, 72... 2017. So we brought everything. We had a laundry, an art studio, and a lot of things underneath the house. Um, so we packed everything up, took my lawnmower upstairs, took my <laughs> we had a fridge, a washing machine, all those things, lifted all those things. So we spent all day doing that and we had lots of friends come. At that point, you know, we checked in with the neighbours to see um, what they thought, what their thoughts were. One of the neighbours had been there for a very long time, 20 plus years. She was, you know, raised her children there. They were just packing up the bottom level of the house. Like everyone was. Yeah, Yeah. nobody believed that it was going to get any higher than that. And there was no reason to believe that at that point. Did you end up going to sleep and that was kind of it for the rest of the day? Or not. (laughs) We didn't sleep. (laughs) So when it hit, I was just watching it all happen on social media, messaging people, trying to contact Tinnies, getting our cats out. We didn't get our cats out for three days, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, so we left the cats with ample food. We thought that they might be in there for a couple of days um, in the house. They're old cats. They sleep 23 hours a day anyway and, you know, eat and walk around for a little bit. So we thought that they'd be okay in the house. Which they were. They yeah. were. 
We they survived. Say that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We got but them we out. We didn't think there'd be water in the house at no. that stage when yeah. we left them because mm-hmm. they're not very good swimmers. <laughs> <laughs> no flotation devices that we knew of. No, no built in flotation devices. No. no, but apparently the beds are quite good flotation <laughs> devices. And couch. Yeah. And anything that was light enough to move. My shoebox yeah. went on and floated around. Tell us about the morning after. So after it had broken over the levee and so I know you were on the other side of the levee. So after it reached kind of like daylight. For me personally, I had been able to make it up to a friend's house. You know, there was a number of us there. A lot of people, she was up on a hill. There were at least three households at her house and we're all bunking in there. We had people being rescued in the middle of the night. Um, People that, so two of those households, those houses had never had water in them before, had never flooded in that area. They woke up with flooding in the house and it had never flooded. So that was really difficult, like knee high water. Mm-hmm. So that was tricky. I was watching the internet all night and that was probably the most distressing thing for me. Yeah. Because there were lots of friends who were stuck. And you were also during the day looking out on the hill and watching it all happen. Mm. So there were people that were couldn't get onto their roofs um, because they were older. There were people who were holding their cats up in the air and there was no air left. Yeah, people who were saying that they thought they were going to die. So that was really traumatic. That was the hardest thing for me. And we couldn't really do anything. <laughs> and so there was a really strong feeling of powerlessness like I'd saved myself and that we were safe but what could we do and so yeah that was really hard and at one point you even said to me I want to just find a kayak and just go yeah I was like don't yeah so we were up all night people you know were coming we were talking with people we were trying to we knew by then that there were kayaks and boats happening when I woke in the morning woke (laughs) when morning broke you know we had no power or anything an emergency radio station um had said about people that if there was any boats and stuff to get down there and to help out so they were kind of talking about radio stations were talking about um, what was happening down there because otherwise we would never have known and there was no way of getting out so there were low-lying areas had flash flooded as well and so it was really tricky that really powerless sense of what can I do to help there's lots of other people that need help that was the hardest thing for me then and with me also being stuck in a different town Mm. and not being able to go anywhere or help at all me being safe in a different town that's right and we couldn't get to you in Mm. that town either yeah so Giselle had gone to my sister's house Mm. and so she was blocked off from getting into Mm. even to Ganella Bay and so no power no water no nothing (laughs) yes yeah it was um we which also meant that any communication was starting to run out um so we're out on the occasion trying to charge phones in cars (laughs) (laughs) yeah so that we could communicate with people and be able to hear what was happening so we got down to the bottom of the hill at one point and yeah getting information about what was happening there and so was everyone else yeah yeah so it was hard not knowing what was happening um it took actually a couple of days before the helicopters started coming or at least another day before the helicopters started to come yeah it was a few yeah and so being on a hill it felt like an absolute war zone at that point because they were going straight past us and like we could see in the helicopters that was yeah it was horrible i spoke to a friend just last week, one of the other people that were, was in the house with us we were talking about how traumatised we were at the time because we were rather comatosed. Thinking back, we were so we were in shock mm-hmm. about what had happened. So everyone had left their house behind. We'd left our house and our cats behind. We were completely distressed around that. Yeah. 
I thought that I had made a decision um, that put my cats, sent my cats to their death. So I was convinced that that was my fault. But thankfully, I spent 24 hours straight calling Bodies to get them out Mm. to the point that they were on the phone to me in the house getting the cats. And I could just hear the sloshing of the house. So Giselle was constantly on to every internet uh, phone site, numbers, contacting everything. people, yeah. posting photos of the top of the house, of the address, my number, everything, what the cats look like. I wasn't giving up on these cats. No, you did that for days. That was incredible. If Giselle wasn't so persistent, I am sure that wouldn't have happened. And I'm not the kind of person that just calls people either. No. (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) Like, hearing that, I don't even know what to say. No, I've got goosebumps. Like, it's crazy. I did also want to say that survivor's guilt is a thing, and I know you've spoken about feeling really guilty, and yeah, it's not a nice feeling. Mm. and just know that you are not guilty in any way, shape or form. You made the right decision by you at the time. That's yeah. all that matters. Yeah. Things are just things. People's lives, actually, and animals' lives, um, are actually what really matters. Yeah, of course. You know. I mean, the days after, that was pretty horrendous. Yeah. Going into the house and... Having to just throw your stuff out onto the street. Do you want to walk us through that if you feel comfortable? So the water came into the house and it came waist height into a bit higher into our house. Mm. Actually, no, it must have been chest height into our house. Because you could see where the cats were. Yep. And they were on top of cupboards and stuff. Yeah, very resilient little pussy cats. Yeah. Um, I mean, the lounge had was quite a heavy lounge, big lounge, had floated. Like, it, you can only begin to imagine the force of the water. Things had made their way through the house, floated around. Yeah, we don't... My things bedroom stuff in. ended up the other end of the house. But the cushion stayed on the couch the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> so we were like, what? Yeah, there was some things just didn't make sense. No. Giselle had a box of shoes, a nice wooden box. A nice white wooden box. You know. It wasn't mine after that. So it had a number of pairs of shoes. That didn't get touched. And somehow they floated around the house and the shoes were fine. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) That's what you want. Yeah. Your shoes. So you could see paw prints on it like a cat was on it. So a cat probably floated around like an island <laughs> as well. Also, when the cats were picked up by the Bodies, the succotar, he doesn't like people, but the sheer, like, peace on his face of, I don't have to fight for my life anymore. Yeah. Yeah. They were both exhausted. Yeah. And shout out to those three men that we don't know. Fully. Um, that so very... <laughs> graciously went to save two cats and they were three men that you know braved that and uh, yeah shout out to them like i said i don't even know who they are i picked the cats up from near Tr- the roundabout near trinity so mm-hmm. the water was starting to drop but you still couldn't no, yeah. get down that that way mm-hmm. trinity was still flooded and that so the boat came up to the roundabout there at high, the bottom of high street um, with the cats in it. We like go from Lismore up to Ganalaba to go to the other side of Lismore just mm. to get the cats. So crossing the river wasn't an option. The current was still too strong. So that's why so many people wouldn't go and get the cats because it was too dangerous. But and these three guys. Yeah, they, they knew water. They said we stuck to the trees, we went under the trees, we went past the Italio Club, and they did it. And they went through the power lines and all Yeah, that. so good. So awesome. Yeah, was, uh, they saved our cats. What a relief. You should have seen me. I was like, when I got the phone call, when I could hear them entering the house, I was like, oh, my gosh, thank you so much. And we were organising where to meet them because they were like, it's going to take us 40 minutes to just get back around this mm. through everything. Uh, and then I called mum. I was like, go. Get yeah. them. So yeah. I could go around by that time, yeah. around the tops of the 
Hills. Hills. <laughs> we found that we could go around the tops of the hills if we didn't go down. So that was an amazing moment. Yeah, I actually remember a pho- the photo of you the and the cats were actually, yeah. it was actually published in it a was. newspaper. Yes, that's right. Yeah, it I was. remember watching that and I was like, oh my God. I know. Yes, it was. <laughs> yeah. It was such a beautiful moment to see. Yeah. Mm. You can just see like the relief in your face. You finally have them in your arms. Yeah. And then I had to retrain them to get used to people. They still have to. Well, they were quite traumatised as well. Of course. That's the thing as well. There were lots of animals that lost their lives as well. Some miracles, you know, some animal Fully. miracles. Mm. Animals, uh, dogs that were in trees and stayed up trees and somehow survived. Cats that went missing for months at a time and then returned home. Yeah. Wow. Months later. Yeah. yeah. There's a few of those stories, which is incredible. Even to now, yeah. A friend was taken by boat um, out to an out-of-town school where they stayed there, and then that school started to flood. So she had her and her cats and dogs boat come and took them to go to Evans Head. And the cat, they lost the cat, jumped out of the um, boat. boat. Yeah. But that's the cat that survived for months. Months. And came she back. went back to yeah. that school so many times looking for that cat, nothing. And then somebody it posted was, it on for six months yeah. later or something. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, you can't see it. It was a miracle. Yeah. Now that's a point of view I want to see, that cat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what did he get up to? Yeah. Yeah, wouldn't it be good to ask? Yeah. yeah. The cat's like, meow, 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 meow. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for sharing your story. Is there anything else that you're wanting to say at all? I think you were talking about just quickly about that stuff and how hard it is to throw your own things away. And that yeah, stuff. 100%. I went there. Well, I couldn't drive because it was just too emotional. One of my aunties took me and they were preparing me for the shock of it all. And going down Ballina Road, I was like, oh my God, this is a war zone. But for the next couple of days after that, I saved thousands of photos. We looked at things, didn't we? What is it that we can't replace? What's the one thing? Photos. Giselle went with the photos and spent days washing them, drying them. And I'm still saving them. I've been laminating them. I remember you sending me photos of, like, inside your room and you could see, like, some of your... um, My dream catches. catches Yeah, they survived. They're in my room right now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And there was like photos, some of them weren't touched and some of them were like half touched. Yes. Mm. And it was like, yeah. my gosh. Yeah, so things like taking the lawnmower upstairs, <laughs> you can imagine that was full of petrol and oil mm. that then swirled around the house. And, and the you know, fridge, fridge as well. the fridge falls over, so everything. So all that is but, swirling around in the water yeah. in your house. But as also well. downstairs in my art studio, like the washing machine, the dryer, the fridge down there, you couldn't actually get into the room because it was over the door. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Mm. Was, yeah. yeah. And a thick layer of mud on everything. So you do literally have to surrender every time you pick something up and go, oh, maybe I could save it. And you go, no, you can't. And then still to now, we're like, oh, where's that thing? Oh, that's right. Gone. Gone. Or I could have saved that. So then when the, um, so it was weeks. Oh, it was days, weeks. It's it's a bit blurry. Yeah, yeah, we were pretty traumatised. Things like, you know, our big piles outside of all our belongings. We found out when they were coming to pick ours up, but I didn't want to be there to watch it. Mm. So making those decisions as well, that I didn't feel like that was a good thing. But then there was something really sweet after after that as well. Mm. So whoever did all that collecting of our stuff and throwing it all away... Actually uh, kept a jewellery box of mine... A tiny little With some things in it, like crystals, and also a letter from Paul. Really? Yeah, 100%. I didn't even know that. Yeah. There you go, he didn't tell me that. It's pretty cool. And my school ID. Yes, your school ID. (laughs) Yeah. Which I gave to my cousin. Yeah. Yeah. So they left that on on the stairs. Like it was was that kind of gift. Yeah, so that was left up on the stairs. 
We're like, hmm. This is weird. No yeah. one lives here but anymore. <laughs> yeah. That police tape is still on the yeah. banisters there at that house mm-hmm. to say that there was no one inside. How lucky were we that we weren't inside? All those people that were stuck in their houses. Mm-hmm. I just can't imagine what that would be like. There's just so many stories that there's not enough time for. Yeah. I wanted to take the moment to really thank you guys for coming on and sharing your stories. It really means a lot to hear from you guys and it's very moving and powerful. Very grateful for you sharing your perspective. Really great perspective. It's nice to hear from someone from Lismore, like who's grown up here, you know, have their whole life here. And just to see how you guys go with such a natural disaster because everyone's just thinking, oh, how could they not be used to it by now? Mm. When it's like, no one was suspecting this. Even the people who've been here 20 years, they weren't expecting this. Nobody expected it to be this hard, that Mm. high. That was like totally unprecedented. Like I said, all those marks were on those wall, on the wall. There was nothing that indicated water would get in our house ever. I remember you saying that when you moved in. Yes. Because I asked you that question. Yeah. Yep. And you said, yep. Yep. <laughs> we wouldn't have moved in there if we didn't think it was going to happen. We were only in that house for 10 months. Yeah. Mm. That's it. Yeah. Thank you so much. Really appreciate you coming on today. Thank you. Yes. Diana Jane. Thanks for being interested in how people are going to work on yeah. yeah, I think it's really important to share stories, and I think everybody's story is valid. Mm. And to also stick together in tough times. 100%. Yeah. And like a massive thank you to the community and the people on the boats. Yeah. Yeah. Helping, like, save so many lives. Yeah. Absolutely. I think without, without our community, we there would have been a lot more deaths. Abs- without an absolute without doubt. doubt. <laughs> yeah. Without a doubt. And I think that's something that. You know, Lismore can be proud of for, you know, always. And that's why I live here. That's what I love about this place. Even when there's not flood, community is strong here. Mm -hmm. And it just shows how strong when we have such a natural disaster. Yeah. Awesome community. Yeah. People. I'm glad I live here. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important for us to talk about survivor's guilt. So I've got a proper definition of survivor's guilt here. Survivor's guilt is a response to an event in which someone else experienced loss, but you did maybe not as bad Mm. or not at all. So obviously while the name implies this to be a response to loss of life, and it can also be loss of property, health, identity, or a number of other things that are important to people. Homes, (laughs) cars, all that kind of stuff how survivor's guilt affects us is when you go through a traumatic event like unscathed or not as affected while others are suffering you'll likely have one question on repeat like why was it not me what is so lucky about me you know even though you were not the one most directly affected by the situation it can still haunt you and leave you confused you may even feel that you are undeserving of being spared when others suffered i get this yeah yeah there's so many times where I've driven past a house that got flooded and I'm like, I inspected that property to rent and I didn't get it. Why did I survive? Like I should have died. And also like a common response to this is like feeling responsible for what happened. Mm. Like you literally were just saying, like, you know, asking yourself how you could have possibly changed things and stuff like that. Yeah. And, you know, someone experiencing survivor's guilt can often use the words, if only I, or why isn't it me when thinking about the situation but in most cases the situation was out of your control so it wasn't your fault if only i had a boat but also if you had a boat do you know how to drive the boat no safely and also we wouldn't if i had a boat i wouldn't have been able to get over like a little bit of grass paddock exactly some healthy ways of coping with survivor's guilt is allowing yourself to feel these feelings don't just bottle them up and avoid them because, you know, somebody might have it worse than you, you know, try to walk through them and process them. Yeah. You can also exercise mindfulness, um, like take the time to get grounded, focusing on positive truths about yourself rather than being consumed with regret. And also don't isolate yourself from others, you know, instead of avoiding others, you know, you think might blame you for what happened or might be like, you didn't get it as bad as me, rah, rah, rah. Mm. Stay connected with people and, you know, have that support system that'll help you through your struggle. Yeah. You can also do something good 
often putting good out into the world will help remove the burden of guilt. So if you give your time to a local organization that helps people in your community, you'll feel a lot better about yourself while making a difference in the lives of others. Definitely helping people clean out their houses really got me out of my head and made it so much more like, okay, you're doing something now, like, it's good, at least you're doing something, you're not just sitting at home doing nothing and watching everyone suffer, like, you're helping, you're doing, you're doing good. <laughs> and also, like, seeking professional help too. Mm. And I'm a massive advocate for this because I think that nobody should ever have to suffer alone. Professionally trained therapists can help you through your mental health challenges, what yeah. they do for a living, so you'd think that they'd be the ones that are good at it. <laughs> you know, they'll also take them upon themselves to work and help you process your trauma however they can. Yeah. And also they don't judge. They're not allowed to. No. If they do, you get a new one. So like they could have a client that was in the heart of Lismore, got completely flooded and they would treat that person and the person who lives in Ganelaba with the same respect and the same degree of the trauma's okay. Well, my therapist at the time actually lost her house in the flood and I remember crying over the phone to her saying, I feel like absolute shit. Like how dare I be upset? Mm. And she like stopped me and she goes, no, don't say that. You're allowed to feel upset. You experienced a traumatic thing. And it was actually meant a lot. So I was like, you're right. Like, yeah, like validating. Yeah. Because like, yeah, she lost her house. She lost everything. But she's just told me, somebody who still has everything, that I'm allowed to feel my emotions. Mm. I think it's a big thing. Yeah. So, you know, if you do have survivor's guilt and obviously like it's the one year anniversary and I feel like a lot of that survivor's guilt will come out to play. Yeah. Um, just exercising those things, keeping in contact with people, don't hide yourself away, don't be afraid to share your story. Yeah. Which is why we're doing it on a public platform. It's not weak to speak. It's never weak to speak. Yeah. So, you know, some services that local residents of the Northern Rivers can access. Um, really great one, uh, Flood Help Northern Rivers. It's basically like a hub for all the information. They have massive lists of different services on their website, which they're free. They've got community showers, laundry services, mental health support, cooked meals, recovery support, non-perishable and personal supplies, volunteer coordination. So if you want to volunteer, go there. Health clinics, a list of recovery centers that you can go to, legal support, financial support, cleaning supplies, accommodation, free training and workshops. It's got the whole shebang on there. One-stop shop. <laughs> yep. There's also the Northern Rivers Community Healing Hub. Um, it's run by a collective of Indigenous and non-Indigenous practitioners offering trauma-informed and culturally informed healing practices for all. They offer a community healing space to support flood recovery with trauma-informed counsellors, body workers, children's play therapists, yarning circles, group activities, free tea, coffee, food, and a friendly chat. And also some mental health services that you can access, which, by the way, a full list is also on the Flood Help Northern Rivers website. They have a lot more than what I'm about to read out, but they've got Head to Health. They offer connection to mental health advice, information, and services. The Safe Haven Lismore, they offer a walk in non-clinical, calm, culturally sensitive, welcoming space for people experiencing suicidal distress slash crisis. Um, you can talk to a peer who has a lived experience in suicide and can hold space safely, share openly about how you're feeling and what you're going through with support, connection, and validation. And there's also Grow Mental Health Peer Support, which offer free, structured, best practice peer-to-peer -peer mental health support. And they are free, open to all, with no diagnosis or referral needed. There's The Buttery. They offer services for addiction and mental health, offering residential programs, youth programs, community outreach, family support, and mental health programs. Also Headspace. They offer a wide range of of services for ages 12 to 25 by appointment. They have mental health and well-being, general and sexual health, youth worker support, alcohol and other drug services, and connections to education, employment and more. And like I said, if you need to find any more services, you can head over to the Flood Help Northern Rivers website. They have a massive list, like so much to the point where if I was to read out everything, we'd be here for about the next 40 minutes. Basically, if you're struggling, reach out. Even if it's to us, we'll lead you in the right direction. Yeah, we can always send you a link to something. Yeah, yeah, we can help you. And the biggest thing that we really wanted to push by recording this podcast today is that your feelings are valid. Your experience yep. is valid. Yep. And also, if you're someone who experienced the worst of it and you just, you are one of those people that hold it in and you're not letting it out and you're just like thinking it's very tough 
to hold it all in. It's not. You're only damaging yourself. Yeah, don't put yourself through the hardship that you don't need to. It is never weak to speak no matter who you are, no matter what you identify as, you are always deserving of a safe space and a place to process in an unbiased, confidential setting. Everybody's lives are different and the reason why we wanted to do make today a special podcast episode is because, you know, the one year anniversary and we just really wanted to share our story and if you've made it this far, I wanted to say a big thank you for listening. Yeah. And thank you so much to our two guests that were on today. We really appreciate you coming to this safe space and sharing your story. This week is going to be hard for a lot of people. Yeah. Ourselves included. And in the end of the day, look at how amazing our community is. We all banded together. We all fixed it up. Mm, all helped out each other. We all helped each other and still continue to do so. Yeah. We all support local. I think um, I'd like to end the podcast on a positive note. That's a good note too. Good yeah. community, Lismore, and surrounds. Yeah. So thank you. If you're from the Northern Rivers, it's been a fucked year. Really has. But thank you. Thank you. We couldn't have done it without you. Look yeah. at us now, a year on, doing well. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Kyan and Jade. Now it's a bit more of a serious one, but we'll see you next week. Don't forget to follow us on social media, Kyan and Jade Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and Kyan Jade Podcast on Instagram and TikTok. It'll be normal yes, we'll segments be, next week. We'll be back to our funnies, being yes. normal. Back to our ha-has. Having some crocodile tank and... Horoscopes. Love a good horoscope. But yes, we shall see you next week. Bye. Stay safe. Take care of yourself.